today, uh, I thought instead of just preaching, uh, you know, a, a normal message, which I don't know that I've ever preached a normal message, it's not really my style, uh, but I, I thought instead of preaching a message really at all, we would do an interview. And I want to really dive into this topic, this fox, by really zeroing in on one specific story. And it's the story uh, of a guy named Mark Clayman. And again, it's impossible to encapsulate someone's life in, you know, a 25-minute interview segment, but um, he is, uh, among other things, he produced a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness, uh, which starred Will Smith, and uh, such an inspiring, incredible film, and he's going to share a little bit about the journey of how that came about, and just how God has steered his life along the way, and, and also the relationships in his life, and how those things have really shaped that journey and kept him on the right path. But before we do that, I thought I'd give you a little sneak peek back at a clip from this movie in case you forgot. Check this out. Let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. This part of my life, this little part, is called happiness. Yeah, my allergies uh, a little bit. I guess I'm allergic to meaningful clips about fathers and sons. Um, does, it, does it still get you when you watch this movie back? Um, do these moments still? No, not at all. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a myriad of emotions. It's, mm. I'm blown away by what God did. Yeah. Um, yes, I get emotional. Yes, I, it's, you know, in the scheme of life, it's a movie. But what God did through the movie mm. and the lives that he touched and changed in and through the movie, I, just, that, that gets me. So there's so many aspects to it. It's such a powerful, incredible film. I, I've seen it multiple times. Every time it, it strikes a chord with me. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about how this film came about and, and how it shaped your story. But before that, before you became a producer, um, you were an actor. And in fact, you were in a lot of stuff uh, in the 80s, a lot of like sitcoms. Age that me right I there. Thanks up. a lot. I'm, I apologize. But uh, I'm a child of the 80s too. And so I, I actually remember seeing you in stuff. I remember seeing you in ALF. Um, how many of you remember Alf? Like, that's a, a good time right there. Uh, Charles in Charge. Of course, I remember seeing you in Say by the Bell. And um, just in, in, incredible stuff. And uh, I remember seeing you because I had a crush on Kelly Kapowski mainly. And uh, but you were so background. Yeah, yeah. 
It feels good to know it wasn't just me. Um, and I, I just kind of wonder, like, being on all these sets and doing all this stuff, like, uh, what, what was your favorite? Like, what was one of the favorite projects you did when you were first starting out? You know, it was all, all of them were pretty amazing. But the first, I guess, the, you know, not only was it the first thing I ever did, but it was also probably, it was just, it was a mind blow. I did it the, years ago. They said the Disney would have Sunday night at the movies, the Disney's. And um, they're starting to bring them back. But I did the Thanksgiving Promise, which was the Thanksgiving special. And Bo Bridges directed it, and it was three generations of Bridges. It was Lloyd Bridges, Bo Bridges, Jeff Bridges was in it, Jordan Bridges. Wow. And then I was one of the bad, I was a dumb jock bad guy, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it was Jason Bateman and Courtney. I mean, it was like on and on and on. So it was like mind-blowing the people I was working with, my first big project. Wow. And, and, and you know, Bo Bridges asking me my opinion, and I'm like, uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> whatever and, uh, you think. Whatever you think, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> That was, that was probably, yeah. Now, um, you go from being an actor uh, in, into being a, a producer. Well, actually, before we say that, I just want to ask you this. Is there, because I know in Hollywood, things are cyclical, right? Things tend to come back, which I love, especially if it's something you fell in love with. And is there any chance that you would ever, like, reprise a role in something that you did? I mean, is Alf coming back? That's what we all want to really know. But, like, is there any chance you would ever revisit uh, one of these old roles? You know, I'm always open to what God's going to do in my life. So, um, crazy enough, I mean, Say by the Bell's been an iconic thing, which is, and they've rebooted that, which, um, which is oh, on I know. Peacock. <laughs> and um, I was moose on Say by. Actually, that's a whole God story how I got that because I started out another role. I was, uh, I went to the opposing school. I went to Valley, and then the creator of the show is a believer, and he had heard that I was a believer through a crazy story, and he brought me on and and brought me on as Moose, and we, I did a bunch as Moose. So right before I was coming, so there was, they wanted to bring me back, and a couple times I stayed close with the producers and didn't work out. Literally before I was coming out to fly out here to come do this, I, I live in Nashville now. I, I kind of go back and forth, and I get a late-night email from one of the producers saying, hey, we're doing this thing on Tuesday, Mario's going to be a wrestling coach. We would love it if Moose would be the assistant wrestling coach. Can you do it? I'm like, yeah. So Tuesday, I'm going back on Save by the Bell. That's so awesome. And, uh, crazy God thing, man. I love that. And I will be tuning in, yeah. Um, at least me and my daughter will be. I'm very excited about that. Well, you know, moving from acting to producing, how, how does this happen? Like, how do you move from being an actor in stories to getting to a place where you're like, I want to, I want to tell stories. I want to be a part of taking a great story and making sure that it gets on screen and shares with, uh, with a lot of people. Well, I'll, I'll take it back a little bit before that. So I, 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 I was raised Jewish and I when I was young, um, I had a dream about becoming an actor and it wasn't, my parents weren't in the business. It was nothing, but I was raised Jewish and I had this dream and I used to actually wanted I pray on my own and do this thing and it wasn't like in this overly Jewish family it was just but I always wanted to know God I had this relationship with God I wanted to know God I actually wanted to die and go talk to him and ask him what the right way to him was and come back with the answers and I pray and I grew up in in, in being Jewish is more than religion it's heritage heritage and culture and I but it was a I hungered for God and it was always God and the Jewish people, but it was never, I wanted a personal relationship, but I grew up and I was close and I had this dream and became an actor and I thought that, was, that dream was for me because actors get all the chicks and everything else. And 
um, I, it turned out once I, you know, after wanting to know, like, what do I, I still crave that personal relationship with God. And I started studying the Bible, and I'm like, what do I believe in as a Jew? Because it's, it's very traditional. And I read the whole Old Testament, and then I continued to read the New Testament. And as I read, I started believing Jesus is who he says he is. And Christian music was really influential to me at that time as well. And I studied for a year, and I talked to rabbis and pastors and the Bible Answer Man radio show every day, and on and on, and I'd call in. And, and I, I just hungered to know. And the more I believed that Jesus is who he says he is, the more things in my life started changing. And, you know, I was acting and doing that. And then I was, found myself um, on a mission trip in Mexico. And, and in my heart, I believe my head was, like, battling. Like, it was this battle between my heart and my head of making a, a commitment, like, really solidifying that or taking the step that I needed to take. And um, I was on a mission trip in Mexico, and I was tired of my heart battling with my head. And, you know, Keith Green was a Christian artist. He had a, he has a saying, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And I was in this church that we had built in Mexico, and I took this blind leap of faith. And, you know, as in Scripture, you know, Moses got to the Red Sea, and the Red Sea didn't part. It didn't part until he put his foot in. And so I believe that God wants us to be proactive in our faith. And so I did that. At that time, I took this blind leap of faith. I asked Jesus into my heart, and it was like a thousand pounds were lifted off of me. And when God spoke, and that personal relationship that I was craving became real at that time. And then I realized as an actor, I then had a platform. And, but I realized why God put that dream in my heart to become an actor. It was not for me, but it was for him. Because I had that platform, I could share. We would go out with other actors and speak to kids in high schools and churches and youth groups. And I could share my faith and what the real meaning in life is that acting is just a job. And, but what the real thing is and what's important is your relationship with God and loving people and your relationship with Jesus. And so that's what started. And I believe God's given us all gifts and talents and abilities for a reason. And he's given us all dreams for a reason. And it's for his reason. And when we surrender them to him, that's when he can do amazing things. And someone once told me, you know, that he would never make us thirsty if he didn't create water. And so with those dreams and those visions, when we surrender to him, miracles can happen. Um, and to answer your question, I know I just kind of ramble, but you know, acting, I knew I was called to that, but I knew it wasn't my end-all, be-all. I knew I wanted to tell stories. And in the Bible, you know, Jesus tells parables. I think a lot of times he, he, he tells those parables because if he would have quoted scripture in those times, it wouldn't it wouldn't resonate with the people that he was speaking to. Yeah. So he tells parables that are stories. And I thought, you know, I believe that art influences culture and culture can influence society. So if I could tell stories as a producer that would influence society for, yeah. and challenge and motivate and inspire, then that's what I want to do. And I felt, again, that was a dream that God put in my heart for his purpose, not mine. That's so good. Now, how do you, I mean, 
for someone who's like, man, I'd love to tell stories. What an incredible story to get to tell, um, this story of Chris Gardner. How did you come across this story and, and get access to it and decide, like, I got to tell this story? And how did that actually come to fruition? I mean, it was a total God thing from the beginning. Um, I was actually, I was laying in bed with my ex-wife. Not, not my fault, I swear. We'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> But I was laying in bed with her, and I'm watching 2020, and this piece comes on about Chris Gardner, and he's in a subway bathroom with his son, and he talks about how he used to bathe his son in the sink of that subway bathroom. That, that was the one bathroom in the BART station loop that the door would lock, and that's where he bathed his son, and he spent many nights in that bathroom. And it, I just started bawling, and I thought, because I have a son, and I remember bathing him for the first time in our sink in a in our kitchen. I still wanted, I wanted more for him in life. And I felt it's God just put on my heart that this is a story that needs to be told, that there's so many aspects to it. And I turned to my ex-wife at the time and I said, I want the, and I had started producing at that time and I had sold some stuff. Um, nothing had gotten made, you know, studios buy 50 movies a year, they make nine. So I had sold some stuff, but I was, you know, even less than a producer than I am today. But, um, I turned to my ex-wife and I said, I want the rights to this story. And she's like, yeah, right. It's on 2020. There's no way. <laughs> just encouragement. Yeah, just totally. really, this feels good. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then I said, I want the rights to this story. And this is Will Smith's Academy Award winning film. Mm. And I didn't know Will. I hadn't worked with him. It's just something <laughs> that God put on my heart. Mm. And that was a Friday night. Monday morning, I got on the phone, and I have a philosophy in life, like, you can't hit a home run unless you put yourself in the game. Mm. So I'm going after it. So I got on the phone Monday morning. I started calling. I hunted down Chris Gardner. I got to him, his receptionist. Uh, turns out she was a believer. Mm. And so she put my call through to Chris because I told her what God had put on my heart. And I talked to Chris, and he's like, you're my last call. Because by that time, he had every agency in town calling, every big producer in town calling, on, on and on and on. And I was just honest with him, and I said, God put on my heart that this is not, that I love your story. God put on my heart that this is not a, a rags-to-riches story, but this is a father-son story. This is a story about finding your purpose in life. This is a story about overcoming obstacles. This is a story about going after your dreams. And I'm not the biggest in town. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've sold some stuff. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If I know something, I'll tell you the truth. If I don't know it, I'll tell you I don't know it. And I'll find out the answer. And we actually use that line in the movie. Wow. And he said, okay, thanks. And kind of that took off of three months of courtship. He would call me and say, hey, tell me, do you know this agency? Do you know this producer? Should I go on Oprah now? Should I do my book now? And Three months of... You don't have a contract yet. I have nothing with him. It's just for three months. And then he says to me, you know, I'm going to be in Oakland. He's based in Chicago. And he said, I'm going to be in Oakland at Glide Church for Easter Sunday. Why don't you fly up and meet me for Easter Sunday? So I said, absolutely. I'm like, this is it. I'm getting the deal. This is finally after three months. So he calls me. Then (laughs) this is just totally God. So... It all was, and I was just a piece of the puzzle. I was just being obedient to what God called me. Again, I think God's, you know, called us all to things, and as long as we surrender them to him, he works. So he calls me on Thursday, and he says, 
uh, do you know this agency? I'm like, yeah, they're like one of the biggest. He said, do you know this agent? And I said, uh, I don't know him, but I know of him. He's one of the biggest. He said, well, you know, I was on the way to Hawaii last week, and I had a layover in L.A. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so I, this agent's been after me for my rights, so I had him meet me in the Red Carpet Club. And this is before 9-11 and, and, uh, and security and all that stuff. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, I, I had him meet me there because he's been after my rights. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, great, I've lost this deal. And he just wants to be friends now. So Chris continues to tell me this story. He's like, so the guy shows up in the club and he pulls out a contract. And Chris said, you know, I know you're one of the biggest. I got enough on my mind with my business. I'll sign your contract. I'm like, great, I've lost this. And the guy said, great. And he goes to get a pen. He doesn't have a pen. And Chris said, wait, you show up for a meeting with me, a contract and no pen? And the guy said, yeah, I ran out of the office. I'm here. I'm in the red carpet club. I'll just get one from the waitress. It's no big deal. And Chris is like, wait, you, you showed up for a meeting with me with a contract and no pen? And the guy's like, yeah, but let me just get one. And Chris said, no, let me tell you a story. He said, years ago, I went to raise money for my brokerage firm, and I showed up late for the meeting. And the man said to me, you want me to give you money and expect you to invest it in a timely fashion, and you show up late for a meeting with me? I'm sorry, no deal. And he sent me walking. And Chris is telling me the story. And so Chris said, since then, I wear two watches, and Chris Gardner wears two watches, and I'm never late. I said to the agent, you show up for a meeting with me with a contract and no pen? I'm sorry, no deal. And he sent the agent walking. Wow. Totally God. So needless to say, I showed up to Oakland two days early with a bag of pens. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. And it was, you know, we just, it was the most powerful Easter I ever spent. We walked the streets of... And, and saw places that he lived and where he worked and, mm. and, and then a series of miracles just ensued after that. It's so incredible. Yeah. I, I think it's powerful too to think about, I think when people think about like catching a break or breaking through or you know, achieving some sort of goal, it's like, oh, I, you know, I don't know the right people or what's the magic formula and, and getting to talk to you, it's really a lot of these little moments of you know, being prepared and taking every situation seriously and being a person of integrity and in character no matter who's in front of you and what you're about to do and who you're about to meet and how these big things really do rise and fall on these little things like showing up on time and having a pin to sign the contract, all this stuff that we, we tend to want to discount, but that, that little stuff ends up being really the big stuff. And I know that's proven true time and time again for you in, inside of your story as well. For sure, for sure. I mean, you know, the guys that I produced with, they were, they've done 80 movies, and I was new, you know, and I just kept saying God's hands on this thing, and they're like, yeah, 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 they weren't believers, but they totally respected my faith, mm -hmm. and every time miracle would happen, I'm like, they're like, this doesn't, and I go, you guys, it's blessed, and they're like, we know, you're going to say it's blessed, we know, and we know, <laughs> and, and I mean, what, again, in the scheme of life, it's just a movie, but what God did through that movie was miraculous in the beginning and we started shooting a handful of people were going to glide church by the end of the shoot the entire cast and crew was going wow. to glide church glide church's choir we had on the streets of san francisco singing singing for hours and thousands of people gathering around the head of sony the scenes with the homeless people the head of sony production came down and that, that's all sony's clothes that they were wearing mm. he was so moved by that he donated all those clothes to those homeless people so they had clothes wow. to go interview for a job we were able to those were real homeless people we employed them 550 homeless people so we employed for a week 
that gave them a check to get off the streets and put down payments on, on apartments. Like God was using in that movie miraculous things, just miraculous things. And then what he did through that movie, we got, after the movie was released, got calls from people that were suicidal, people that were mm. going to quit, people that, uh, soldiers in Afghanistan that were, got the movie on the black market that gave them the, the, the will to continue to move, fight on. Wow. There was a guy, Chris Gardner, got a call from a guy who said, you know, I was raised a racist. Mm. And because of your movie, I'm a changed man. Um, it's just on and people... Oprah's pay it forward. Someone would shuttle homeless people to theaters to see the movie. Mm. The mayor of Washington, D.C. made it mandatory for anybody in homeless shelters to see the movie. What God did through the movie to affect lives and continues to do was just miraculous. I spoke at an event, and I sat down. The guy said to me, he, next to me said, you know, I saw your movie. I said, cool. And he said, uh, I had to do something. So I went to my wife, and the next day we donated a million dollars to our homeless shelter in our area. And I said, and he goes, I know three friends that did the same thing. I mean, just on and on and on, the miracles of what God did. I was a piece of the puzzle, and I was just being obedient to what God called me to do. But what God did was just, and, I, and it's the same. It's just, you know, it's, just, it's the same for all of our lives. I think when, when we follow God's calling in our life and we surrender it to him, he can do miraculous things no matter what. I'm no, you know, producing, acting. It's a job, like a teacher. Or teachers are better. But, um, but, you know, like a lawyer, a plumber, whatever, it's just a job. But, again, God's given us talents and gifts and abilities and dreams. And when we surrender them to him for his purpose and his will, miracles can happen. Wow. Now, I, you know, one thing that I know is true is that nobody is successful on their own, you know. Um, and that's one of the things that's so incredible of, like, even throughout all of scripture, right? Like God inspires someone to do something, then he partners them with people that are on that same path that are gonna help make that thing happen. And I wonder with you, um, you know, a lot of people say like, man, Hollywood, it's a heavy place to work and easy to kind of get your life thrown off track. How have you stayed on course, like pursuing your dreams and trying to, to stay someone who is committed to God and a person of character? Uh, what relationships have you, you know, pulled close to you and or maybe even kept at, at a distance in order to, to sort of stay focused? What does that look like in your life? Well, when I was acting, um, there was a, a group of actors and there are people that you would definitely know that we that were believers. And um, we started a small group of actors, a small group. Six of us started a Bible study, and it grew to 150 people. We meet people on sets and on and on. It just grew and grew and grew. But that core group of six people, um, without naming names, trust me, they're people that you would know, but they're believers. Maybe just one. Like <laughs> one name. And, um, okay. <laughs> you guys are welcome. Uh, Billy, forgive me. Any, any uh, Cobra Kai fans? in the house. So Billy Zapka, Johnny and Cobra Kai is a believer. He's one of my best friends and we've been friends for we went to high school. So he was good. one of the guys in my, you know, there's a handful of people like that in my life that, that we would, in a, and there's guys that I'm involved with now that are all in the industry, but we are on a text chain and we pray for each other and we, we keep each other accountable and we could say, hey, I screwed up. Hey, let me pray for you. Let me we pray for each other. We would lift each other up. They'd speak truth into my life. 
when times of doubt and times of, that I wanted to give up and, and, and it's really important, I think, as believers that we surround ourselves with people like that. You know, iron strengthens iron, that we do that because, you know, the enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy. Yeah. And without that, without those believers that are strengthening us, I think it, it's just a tough go. So I would encourage everyone here to, you know, have that group of people and, and do that. And that, that's been, it's been a saving grace and it's part of the why I'm even, even alive today. That's so incredible. And, and like, again, you guys, this is not some sort of a Hollywood story. I, I, because I follow you on Instagram, I know I've gotten to see a, a picture of you and Billy Zapka and a mutual friend of ours, Steve, um, in, a, in a recent post where you guys are just together. And, and even this morning when you came in, well, actually between last service and this service, um, Steve texted me, oh, no and um, no yeah, and he was like, "Hey, you're with my buddy today." And um, and when Mark came in this morning, he was like, "Man, I just I'm excited about this morning." And I was actually praying with, uh, you know, we're both friends with Steve. I was actually talking to Steve this morning and praying with him what's going on in his life. And then Steve texted me between services, and was just like, "Man, you're with my buddy today." He was just he called. We prayed together this morning, and it's just so cool. Like it's so cool to see. Um, that you are like, man, identified these people, not because of what they could do for you in the industry, but because of what they could do for you as a, as a person, as a believer, that they could like keep you on the right path. And it is, a lot of times it is just like a, a relationship that, um, you know, keeps us steady or like pulls us completely off path. And I know that's been huge for you. And it, it's cool to see a lot of those relationships reach back, you know, um, several, several years, which is incredible. So, you know, I'm assuming, obviously, everyone's thinking, like, you meet Will Smith, you get this rights to this movie, and then everything in your life is amazing. Like, everything is perfect after that, and you just make tons of money, and just, like, everything is phenomenal without any, any issues, because God's blessings on your life, and that's pretty much what happened, right? No. <laughs> um, God's hand was always on my life, mm. but there was a time where I... Um, where he allowed things to happen that um, that hand was not visible to me. Mm. Even though I had to lean on his word, he says he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Um, I kind of lived the pursuit of happiness after producing the pursuit of happiness. Wow. Um, I'd mentioned my ex-wife. Well, we went through a time <clears throat> um, and like marriage is sacred to me. And I, divorce was not in my vocabulary. And um, kind of out of nowhere, uh, my ex-wife had a manic episode, two kids. And um, the manic episode led to her becoming an addict. Uh, later found out that she was undiagnosed bipolar. And that started uh, a destructive path within our marriage that over a year, Everything you can think of possibly destructive happened. Everything from her having an affair, running up debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars, lost our home. Uh, I raised my kids on my own for the last 10 years. She, she abused my daughter, lost everything, not even lost everything, lost home, debt, on and on and on. And there were times I didn't know when I, how I was gonna feed my kids and look, and, I, and for her, my heart breaks for her, and I walked in forgiveness for her, but 
it was absolute destruction. And I just, I would turn to God and say, I, 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 I don't understand. Like, I don't blame you for it. And I know you're allowing this for a reason, and I don't know why, but I'm hanging on to you. And I would just take baby steps forward, and God would provide, and God would provide, and provide for my kids, and provide for us, and just baby steps and baby steps, and hold on to God's promise about never leaving us, and Him allowing all things to work for good for those that love Him, and, and having those people in my life, like Billy and Steve, that would speak truth into my life, and others like that and I say I'm alive today because of my faith family and friends and you know God started restoring things in my life oh and it took it's taken quite a long time I mean um I would just keep taking baby steps and holding on to God's promises and I know we're all I assume here people are fighting battles we don't know about and I would just encourage you to hang on to God's word he's with you He'll never leave you. He's allowing things, but he's with you. And just trust and hang on to him because he'll see you through. And I'll say in my life, I've seen restoration. Yeah. Started with about, I don't know, two years ago. I reconnected with someone in high school. We're going to, we'll be married in a little over a year and a half from now. Became a homeowner again in January. Live in Nashville. Um, Other projects, just restoration little by little mm. but it took a long time and a long walk of faith and a lot of trust and you know again I encourage you that personal relationship with God that's surrendering your heart and asking Jesus into your heart is is a whole difference of this than just believing mm. but it, it it creates that connection and it allows him to really work in your life and yeah and um you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for it now in a weird way. I couldn't live through it again, but I'm thankful for it. Mm. And um, I don't advise it for anybody, but, mm. <laughs> but, but he's true to his word, and he's faithful. And, um, and, and, and it's an everyday thing, man. It's an everyday walk. It's an everyday journey. And, and, um, but, you know, like I said, he's, if he, didn't, he wouldn't allow us to be thirsty if he didn't create water. Mm. That's so good. I, you know, and I would tell you for the little bit of time that I've gotten a chance to spend with Mark, but even more so the people that I know really well who have known you well for a long time. Um, when, when Mark says, I don't, I really don't know where I'd be without my faith in Jesus. Like he genuinely means it. It's not, it's not lip service. You know, it's not, it's not somebody um, who has never mentioned God before accepting a Grammy and thanking God. Like for Mark, it really is the cornerstone of his entire life. And, um, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to be here today <clears throat> was just to put the focus on Jesus and, and really draw attention to the fact that God being the stabilizing force in his life um, is really the, the thing that could be the stabilizing force in each of our lives. No matter what we go through, no matter what ups and downs we encounter, that, you know, God is our comforter in the midst of those crises moments. And when we, when we allow him to lead us and guide us, he always leads us through that stuff to the other side and uh, gives us meaning in our story. And I just want to thank you so much for being here and sharing. Would you guys give it up for Mark thank for you me? Guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And I just want to say, you guys are blessed to have a pastor like Pastor Adam who really cares 
genuinely cares about you guys in this church and your growth and your faith and his wife. They're really amazing. And I've been blessed by being here and getting to know Pastor Adam. And, and you guys are really blessed to have him. So take advantage of him. Hit him up on his cell all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much.